I knew he drank before we got married. But in the Al-Anon mind, oh, denial, the denial of the disease. Um, oh, it's okay. It's not that bad. I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And here I am again. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the Recovery Edgecast. My name is Alfredo and I'm an alcoholic. And today I'm sitting here with Janice, who is not an alcoholic, correct? Correct. I am not. You're an Al-Anon, right? I'm a true Al-Anon. Oh, yeah. Fascinating. (laughs) I've never sat down and got um, anyone's story who's an Al-Anon. So... If I sound or ask something totally (laughs) off base, do let me know. Okay. But, um, yeah, I think we'll get through this. Good. Yay. (laughs) So, um, do you have a recovery date in a home group? Well, um, the recovery date probably goes way back to 1979. Well, wait, no, I'd say 81-ish. Right around there. Around 81? Okay. Well, wait, 86. <laughs> Let's go there, 86. 86, mm-hmm. all right. Right around there. Okay. And then you can get into how these dates have kind of bounced around. Okay. When you share your story here in a minute. Uh-huh. Um, do you have a home group? I do. Do you need the name of it or do... If you want to, you could. You um, it's to. in Longmont mm-hmm. and... There's an Al-Anon meeting on Tuesday mornings from 9.30 to 10.30 because I got it started. I needed an in-person meeting. The Zoom just doesn't work for me very well. Nice. So how um, how has it gone in person for you guys this year? Really good. Um, our good. group, it's probably four to five people at the most, hmm. but it only takes two people to have a meeting. And it helps. It just does. Good. Um, so then, how did you grow up and where? Have you? Are you a Colorado native? No, I was born in California, San Mateo, and <clears throat> up by San Francisco. It's a suburb. And then my parents moved to Fort Collins, and then I ended up in the Denver metro area in fourth grade. And I'm the second child of five, and the first girl, I have an older brother, and our home life, I had a good childhood. I really did. My dad took us places, and we traveled the United States, which a lot of people did in the 60s, you know, 70s, with the station wagon and a tent trailer, and we went to Mexico three times, some. Matsalon twice, Guaymas three times, and it was cool. I'd come back to school in junior high with a really dark tan. All the teachers were jealous, and my friends nice. and sandals on. So I had a good, I had a good childhood. I saw a lot of the United States. Um, my dad was a Christian, and I had loving parents, and we went to church and. Um, now and then we ditch Sunday school, but that's a kid for you, teenager. Mm-hmm. So 
My parents did not drink, period. I mean, when I was younger, I remember they played cards and they'd have friends over. This was in grade school when we lived in Fort Collins, and they'd have a few drinks, but not, I've never seen my dad drunk or my mother. To be in Al-Anon, what are the requirements for that? Well, to be like a member, I guess it would be called member, um, you have to know someone in your life who is an alcoholic and if it's affected your life. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, then, why don't you tell us how you got here? In and Longmont? <laughs> no, no, no. How did you get to Al-Anon? <clears throat> um, and take us from the start and how you okay. journeyed to right. Al-Anon. Okay. Well, I got the date mixed up when we started this, um, what's it called here? Podcast. Podcast. So I took my son, who now is 34, my youngest son. He was in diapers, and it was probably 1987, 88, where I went to my very first Al-Anon meeting. And I was married to his dad, had three kids by him. This was my youngest child. And he was in diapers, and he was right in the room with me. It was maybe eight people in the room, but they didn't have babysitting, but they allowed the kids in the room. And that's how I found out about it. Um, I, I didn't understand it, but <clears throat> that's the first time I ever went. I saw the traditions and the steps on the wall. had no clue what it was. Was it recommended to you? Um, yes, it actually was through a counselor through the county. Mm-hmm. When was that? In 87-ish, when I said. Okay. Yeah. Um, so if you want to, it sounds like you're really warmed up. I think you're warmed up. If you want to run us through, like, how this all started, um... Basically, like, what happened, or what it was like before, what happened, and what it's like today. Is that, is that something that you guys talk about? Like, uh-huh. Guys, yeah? Okay. Mm-hmm. Forgive my ignorance here. So, before, during, and what else? Like, tell us how you got to, like, what are the events leading up to getting you in Al-Anon? You know, like... Oh, okay. And then... um because you've had some, just from what you've told me off of um, this recording, you've had some experiences with some alcoholics, correct? That uh, oh, certainly yeah. qualify you. <clears throat> oh, yeah. So maybe you want to tell us uh, that first experience where you kind of, you didn't, maybe you didn't know that Elanon is something you needed, but it's an example mm-hmm. of later on realizing that, yeah, you did need to be an Al-Anon. So go right. ahead and just give us a, a run through. Oh, okay. Of, uh, well, my first marriage, um, I was married to uh, an alcoholic, rageaholic, workaholic. And I was young in my early 20s and had a baby. Uh, we got married. I guess it started with the wedding day. Um <laughs> 
we got married, and the reception was at a friend's, and then they stuffed papers, newspapers in the car, just loaded it up with wadded-up newspapers and maybe balloons too, but uh, the keys are locked in the car. And I was married only maybe an hour or two, and he, my husband at the time goes out there and sees the car keys locked in. So lo and behold, um, I think he was drinking that time, that day, but he got really mad that the car keys were in there, and someone had the car keys. It was just a joke, and then he does, he did auto body, doing really good, um, super good paint jobs, and he's very good at his work. Um, they put shoe polish on the car, and it ruined the paint. He said it would. So they didn't know. It was on the windows, on the car. Congratulations, you know, newlyweds. And so um, to get the keys out, he busted the driver's window out, pissed off, mad, to get the car keys out. And I found out what happened. I was inside the house at the reception, and I thought, oh, my God, what did I do? I married this man. But I knew he was that way before we got married. I knew him a year and a half before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How did, how long did you guys stay married? And, because um, this didn't last forever, right? Oh, 18 years. Mm-hmm. That does seem like forever, actually. Oh, yeah. With three kids? Oh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. Okay. What was that like for you? Was he an alcoholic throughout this? Or probably, I don't know if can... right. He was um, maybe, I'd say, probably a third of the marriage an alcoholic, coming home drunk, 2.30 in the morning, just, you know. I never, I think I saw him once in a blackout, and it was in a parking lot after we left the restaurant, and he passed out, and it scared me. But he came too. I drove home from the restaurant. But... I didn't know about alcoholism, or I just thought he was drunk, and he drank, and but he had a very violent temper, mm-hmm. and so a lot of domestic is in this, too. Okay, so about a third of the marriage he drank, and then two-thirds of it, he was a dry drunk, and I never knew what a dry drunk was, because I started going to Al-Anon, mm-hmm. and I found out it's the, be- <clears throat> it's the behavior. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't drinking anymore, but Correct. you say he was a dry drunk. Oh, yeah. What kind of examples, or what makes you think he was a dry drunk? Well, um, he <laughs> he tried to blow the engine up in my car. He knew how to do it. You just step on the gas and keep it in parked. Um, the renter we had, he has a couple renters in back, um, the renter came up the next day and said, I thought the motor was going to blow. So, wow. um, <clears throat> and then during that year, might have been that year, he kicked in two car doors. I had a four-door car. He kicked in two car door, two doors of that same car, and he knew he could fix it, you know, auto body. And in the morning, okay, we had a fight that night. In the morning... I thought, what is he doing? He was heading for my car. He kicked in the other two on the other side. And I said, why did you do that? He said, now they all match. (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. That's kind of so, funny, actually. <clears throat> that morning, I was so upset. I took um, his white laundry, mm-hmm. you know, whitey tidies and socks, and we had this super long paved driveway. I just, sh- I just threw his laundry on the driveway, the whole length of it. It's probably a 40-foot, well, longer than, it was a long driveway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So black asphalt with white laundry. <laughs> I think I picked him up the before he got home from work because I feared he'd get upset. He, you know, yeah, violent temper. So in Al-Anon, is there um, the steps, like AA has the steps? Yes, we have the same exact steps, word for word, but in the 12th step, the word... Um, alcoholics we have others so the 12 step goes i don't have them in front of me um anyway we use others okay Uh so i guess i'm wondering at what point did you start thinking that your life was unmanageable um when the police came and they said they called me mrs whatever my last name was then, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, this is not normal because they came into the kitchen and he left that morning. He, I had a Maytag washing machine and the shelves were reversed in it where you put the plates on top and the glasses on the bottom. It it was a nice dishwasher. And that morning I was barefooted and had my house robe on. He left for work. But before he left, um, he took the bottom rack out and just flipped it, and all this glass shattered. It was the glasses. So I was stuck in the kitchen, kind of stranded, and I had a cousin staying at her house just visiting. Um, I yelled for him, said, hey, Billy, come, I need some slippers or something. Can you come help me? So I called the cops, and when they saw it, I just left it. Um, they said... Mrs., who I was, this is not normal. And he could tell by my continence and, ju- continence and just my body reaction mm-hmm. that I was an abused woman. Wow. Mm-hmm. It, it's weird to talk about it because I'm kind of getting, yeah. Hang in there. Thank you. Well, this was years ago, you wow. know. It affects a person living with an alcoholic. It just does. We, Al-Anons, we do not need the alcohol to give us alcohol behavior. We, it's kind of built in. We're not normal people. Um, Our alcohol is the alcoholic. We put the alcoholic first. We do anything for them. And it affects our life. We lose ourselves. <clears throat> and so this type of behavior, did it continue on? Oh, yeah. After this relationship ended? Did you well, find yeah. sanity or... Well, yet? I went, um, okay, within three months, uh, the divorce from the first husband took over a year because there were kids involved. So within three months, I got divorced and then the husband I was going to marry next, which was a heroin meth head and alcoholic, I went to another addiction addicted person. Um, his son died, 
And then in a car wreck, he was only four. And um, we had to fly to Atlanta from Denver. So that was hard. And then I got married the next month. So within three months, I was divorced and a death happened. And I, I got hives in Atlanta. I remember I was so stressed from getting yeah. divorced and the death of his son and um, knowing I was going to be married. Yeah, I went to another one. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, yeah. That is monumental stress. That's why I have salt and pepper here. <laughs> no, it's my age. <laughs> All right. So after your divorce from your first marriage uh-huh. into your second marriage, how would you say you were on the recovery scale? Okay. Um, I went to church in the second marriage. I didn't know. Well, he told me before we got married that he was a heroin addict. Was. And I didn't think any big deal of it. Okay, he did drugs. So I started going to church. And after his son died, see, we got married the month after his son died. Um, he, okay, he told me two years later that he was doing heroin. And I just got back from church. And I was shocked. And, oh, man, I saw it. I, I just, meth, you know, heroin. It, it was like a spiral down in my life. Um, even though I didn't drink and drug, I felt spiraling down and like I was dying inside. Real, real death. Like, I didn't feel alive. I remember I was on I-25 um, near 58th Avenue, the Grizzly Rose. I dropped him off somewhere. He was going to do an iron job. He was an iron worker. I pinched myself in the car and I screamed. And I, I just, I, w- I was screaming, um, driving. That, that was kind of a bottom. Because I felt... Why is that your bottom? I felt dead. I didn't feel alive. Because he just sucked all the energy, all the life out of me. Is this because you felt trapped or yeah? what I'm trying to connect <clears throat> here? You'll have to forgive me. You're the That's first okay. Al-Anon person that I've uh-huh. interviewed here. Uh-huh. When you found out he was doing meth and heroin, it seemed to suck the life out of you. Uh-huh. Why? Um, because I was working and he made fairly good money. The money was just going up his arms. There wasn't food. I was going to food banks. Um, just trying to survive in life. It was a survival thing. He was selling um, or giving away a fish tank and <clears throat> furniture for drugs. He had furniture outside. And then my house plants. And then my jewelry. He was pawning that. Yeah. You can pawn house plants? Uh, no, he was... He was he was trading those for drugs. Someone wanted big house plants. Their huh. their money. <laughs> anything. Anything for that drug. It, they do anything for that drug. I used to hide my money between my sock and my shoe. Then I had to start hiding it between my foot and my sock. Because he would take my shoes off and find money, 
you know. Couldn't keep it in the bank because he would take it. I guess I could have opened up my own account. Didn't think of it then. How long did this go on for? Um, only about five years. But we traveled during the time because of the ironwork and... We went to Las Vegas a couple times. It was going to be a two-week spring vacation. I brought my nine-year-old son, that my youngest son. And <clears throat> two weeks ended up five months. So I had to enroll him in school. I waitressed out there a couple places and um, always work graveyard because they give the locals uh, day jobs. Um, I look at Las Vegas as you've seen one casino, you've seen them all. But that's just me. He was putting up casinos at the time. They're doing ironwork. Mm -hmm. And um, my bottom was the second time we were in Las Vegas. I didn't take, yeah, I did have my son. Um, I remember he was up nine days doing meth and ironworking. And that week, maybe it was a couple weeks before, Okay, I remember during that time he lost two teeth in his mouth. He had to go to the dentist and have them pulled because of the drugs. Hmm. And then um, <clears throat> a week before I left, some iron worker died, and that affected me. I thought it was him because they said, did you hear about the iron worker? We lived in an RV at the time, and um, I thought it was him, but it wasn't. I went and visited the wife and talked to her, but... My bottom was, I remember <clears throat> my nine-year-old at the kitchen table in this RV, <clears throat> and um, he was there, passed out on the bed, and he was snoring, and his teeth had this goo stuff on it. I, I know the look of meth, and he, um, he, was, he was working the drug off or whatever, sleeping it off. He was sleeping probably a day and a half at the time. Nine days up, day and a half sleeping. And my son was hungry. So all that was left, we were out of propane. And he told me that morning, well, you need to go get more propane. I didn't have the money. So to heat up the ramen noodles, I, I was genius. I put it through the coffee pot. You know, hot water, voila. Just put the Cuban noodles in the pot. <laughs> I had electric, turned the water on. <laughs> we had ramen noodles. And I'm looking at my son thinking, what the hell am I doing? What am I doing here? Because we had a mobile home in Colorado, mm -hmm. here in the Denver area. And um, I, I had to leave. So I called a friend, and she came and got me. She said, if I come out there, you, you need to come with me. I don't want you to say that when I get there, you're going to stay. So I, I left. And when I got back to Colorado, it was Thornton, um, the lights were, the electric was off. We were paying the lot rent. The mobile home was paid for. So I had my son go through the window and open the door. I didn't have the key. My license plates were on the drug dealer next door, his car. I found that out the next day. So my son goes through the door, or the window, and it's nighttime. And I see this void in the house. And my son said, Mom, the TV's gone. So 
TV was gone. And it was dark. I didn't have electric. I didn't know where a flashlight was. And I was tired from the trip, so I wanted just to go to sleep. In the morning, I realized we got robbed. I've been wow. robbed twice in that marriage, royally. The first time royally, yeah. Hmm. Leather clothes, I mean, <clears throat> jewelry. As the week goes on, you feel defiled or I not defiled. Um, <clears throat> what's that word? Where you just violated? Violated. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Wow. Yeah. So it was. Um, it was very, very. It, it was an exciting life, but um, just survival. It was more of a survival thing. Mm -hmm. Living with a heroin addict. Yeah. So, what happened? When did you finally decide to leave? Well, I left him several times. Um, I left him in Atlanta. He was in jail. Left him again in Atlanta. And I always had the mobile home to go to in Thornton, Colorado. Um, left him once in Las Vegas. What was the question? I've been up since 3.15 this morning. It's Sorry later. It's okay. I was curious as to... When you left him, when you finally left him, but it sounds like not only did you leave him several times, but you went back to him several times? Oh, yeah. That's what Al-Anons do. What's up with that? We love the person. That's our addiction. If our addiction is gone, it's, I think, like an alcohol. It, it seems like what an alcoholic goes through. When you take the alcohol away from an, an, an alcoholic, you have to deal with real life. See, I've always run. I always ran in my life. I ran from things. This time I'm not running, and it's hard to stay. So when you take, since the alcoholic is my alcohol, what, what, where are we? I'm, I'm losing this. This is like you are coming back, almost like a relapse, I would say. You leave and then, well, you left and then you came back to this guy. Mm -hmm. And you're telling us that how, you know, I think you're trying to make the comparison between how I would feel about alcohol as to how you feel about this guy. Right. People because like when they're gone out of your life, there is peace, but you, you feel this void. You need to fill it with something. And it's either helping people. Al-Anon stay busy helping people all the time where they don't have to look at their own life. Yeah. Uh-huh. When you Staying finally busy. left him, what was that like? Um, he had a girlfriend. And let's see. He was in jail. Wait, he wasn't in jail that time. That was a different time I left him. Um I packed the apartment up in Atlanta, and I got this rider truck, and I dollied my car back to Denver. <clears throat> so the first rider truck, it was all packed, ready to go, and I rented a apartment from this preacher guy. He knew. He thought I was disturbed, you know, mm -hmm. chain smoking and stuff, and he goes, why, you need to calm down. So he helped me pack it, and he thought, I need to start this engine to see. I just want to check it. So he started the rider truck up. It had a bad engine. So the workers had to come out <clears throat> and put all the boxes from one rider truck into another one. And they did a really crappy job packing it. But um, anyway, 
so I had a better truck. Then my husband showed up. Somehow it leaked out that I was leaving. And I just said, it's over. He, he didn't want me leaving. And I said, I, I can't do this anymore. So I left. He, he caught me leaving. I didn't want him to know. And he was upset. But he left the apartment. He was crying. Yeah. But, I mean, he had a girlfriend. He can cry on her shoulder. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> You're tough. <laughs> so then... How, what was life like after that? I went to Lac Bowie, Colorado, Mm -hmm. some friends. I rented a bedroom for a year, Mm -hmm. and I stayed with them. I had peace. I kept going to Al-Anon and AA Mm -hmm. to hear the other side, just to have the program. Um, Are you recovered at this point? Do you feel recovered? No, not yet. I'm getting there. Okay. Yeah. What happens next? So I couch surfed for four and a half years because I had the 76 Dotson that was hailed in it and rusted. And I got stopped a couple times by the cops thinking it was a drug, tr- a, a drug car, which it wasn't, once in Atlanta and then down on at Highway 76 out here um, east of Denver. So, yeah, I couch surfed. But my friends wanted me there because I'd clean and give them rides places, and I was real helpful to them. And I helped with bills. I always had a job, but just couldn't afford a, an, an apartment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Then I get an apartment in Longmont. Yeah. All right. Uh-huh. And then how long did you uh, kind of stay single until you met your th- third husband then 10 years actually separated five years I left in March of um, I left Atlanta in March of 2000 and I stayed single I guess I guess it's 09 yeah what'd you do in that single life in that period well I worked and kind of actually in I lost a son to this disease, and that happened in 07. In 07? Yeah, 2007. So my son died October 7th of 07, and it's pretty graphic. Um, I guess I can just put it out there. Um, he fell seven stories. He was at a party, paneling gave way, and he died instantly. So that kind of that set me back. And he died because he was drunk. And it it was tough. So I isolated for a while. And How old was your son? 28. Yeah. How did you deal with this? Um, With God. Yeah. The number seven, I remember, kept me going through the funeral. Because it's God's number. And, you know, he died October 7th and fell seven stories. And um, I hung on to that number. Yeah. He's he's really missed. At this point, do you feel recovered? Um, From that, yeah. Because I've had time to heal through my son's death and through God. My My higher power is Jesus. 
and he he gets me through a lot you know his his strength and his power and what did uh-huh. you come out i don't know if it's learning or understanding from that from your son's death well i tell people since he did die we cannot pick the day we're born or we die unless it's you know suicide or c-section or whatever um that's not up to us. Life is precious. It's very precious. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I matter. Me. It's my life. You know, it's... The alcoholic will do what he wants or the drug addict, but I have a life, too. Mm-hmm. Sorry about your son. Thank you. So then let's fast forward a little bit to your last marriage there's alcoholic issues. Oh, yeah. Or there were in this, in your third marriage. Is that oh, right? Oh, yeah. Blackouts. Uh-huh. Why? Um, I guess I'm curious as to, did you not see the signs of oh, an addict yeah. or alcoholic? Oh, yeah. You listen now? to me, Al-Anon's out there. I had big, fat blinders on. These big, rubber, thick blinders by my eyes. Horse blinders. I knew he drank before we got married. But in the Al-Anon mind, oh, denial, the denial of the disease. Um, oh, it's okay. It's not that bad. I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And here I am again. Mm-hmm. How long did this marriage last? 11 years. Yeah. Did you see the signs early? Uh-huh. I ignored him. Yeah? Yeah. How did you... I guess at this point, you're going to Al-Anon. Mm-hmm. And you're um, well acquainted with the recovery tools that you guys have. Uh-huh. So how did you keep your own serenity and peace throughout this marriage with an alcoholic? Well, you have to tell yourself it's their problem if they're passed out you just leave them um you don't well one time this husband was passed out in the car and it was a cold night like below freezing not zero degrees but I left him in the car I well he had a leather jacket on and I prayed I prayed a lot I went and got the neighbor because he pulled up. It was after 10.30. I was shocked that, you know, I could go there. And I never met this neighbor. And he helped me get him on the couch. And I I took his leather jacket off. And you just leave them alone um, when they're drunk. And you do not wake up an intoxicated alcoholic. You just don't. Those are a couple tools. Um, And we learn to live for us, not the alcoholic that we have a life, yeah, and and it matters, and God does care. That sounds like recovery to me. And I am getting recovery because I need it. I want it. Mm-hmm. I've I've always ran. I've always been a runner, not facing me, and this time I'm facing me. Hmm. And it's it's hard, but I'm gonna do it. And yeah, I have a sponsor now. And she's helping, and yeah. So I see you. I met you at an 
AA meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you go to AA meetings and Al-Anon meetings? I like going and because my sponsor says to go and because it is basically the same program mm-hmm. where <clears throat> we can relate to it. <clears throat> I can't relate to wanting to keep drinking and drinking and drinking. That isn't in me. But the alcoholic in my mind is. Yeah. Does that make sense? It probably doesn't. They say Al-Anons are sicker than the alcoholic. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know who came up with that, but could it be true? I don't see why not. Yeah, we're nuts. <laughs> I mean, looking we're back people. at this, you know, I'm like, why did you leave? What? I mean, I guess so. I, it would take somebody nutty to put up with. You know, my nutty ass. enough. Back Nutty. then. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But um, we do because that's our addiction. Yeah. You don't get it. They, Alcoholics just don't get it, I don't think. So I go to AA to just stay grounded and focused. And Al-Anon keeps me focused in life and directed. And there's a really good, good Al-Anon place um, in Atlanta, Georgia, Douglasville. That's where I lived one time. Um, a real strong Al-Anon group. That's where I grew the most. I went there for about five months, seven months. Had a sponsor, was doing the steps, and then I left at step four. Then I get back to Colorado. I don't go for seven years, mm-hmm. you know, hung it up. And now I'm back in it. I need, I need a program. I need Al-Anon. Yeah. Uh-huh. What are things like today for you? I have more peace because the alcoholic is gone. I'm working on me. I'm still going through the divorce, which, you know, a lot of stress and uh, lack of sleep and things. But anxious. And when I, when I get anxious, I pray. And I read the Bible and devotions. Um... I turn Christian music on with verses, and it calms me. My higher power, he's real, and he knows what I've been through, and he's the one healing me. Yeah. Now, before all this, before I even hit the record button, you were talking about a knife story? (laughs) Do you want to you want to share? Sure, it's just one of the crazy moments that Alan Unz have. The second husband, um, he was high on heroin, and he was so calm, sitting at the kitchen table, just you know, um, it pissed me off because I was trying to talk to him, and he just wasn't responding. He was super high, so. Mm-hmm. I take a, I had a wicker laundry basket full of laundry, and <clears throat> I think I, I think I threw it at on the table and it slid into him or something, and he still, he just stayed calm, and that made me angrier. So I picked the basket up and I hurtled it across the living room, living room floor, and still nothing. I think I was waiting for a reaction, you know, used to that mm-hmm. reaction thing. Still calm. So then I, um, 
<clears throat> I there was a serrated bread knife, you know, the long one with the jagged edge. So I had a sweater on, a loose sweater, and I stuck it under my sweater up to the neck because it was a pullover sweater, and I just took the knife, and I was sawing open the sweater. I was cutting the sweater open. I, I was probably screaming at him. Still no reaction. Just calmer. Calm, just calm. Like, wow. Mm-hmm. So it didn't work. I ruined my sweater. <laughs> <laughs> What's the moral of the story here? <laughs> calm yourself down. Don't just walk away. That's mm -hmm. another tool. Yeah. Walk away, leave, get into yourself or a higher power, yeah. my God, the Lord, and just get calm that way somehow, breathing, you know. Mm -hmm. If you could give yourself a piece of advice early on in life as you're journeying through this turbulent mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what you call it, life, disaster, no challenges. What do you think that piece of advice would be? To me, would be be happy with who I am, be happy with myself, uh, live my life, and let God help me daily, stay in the moment, because I future trip quite a bit. I, you know, project like film um, to just stay in the moment and live it to its fullest. Mm -hmm. Get get peace within. Thank you, Janice, for sitting down and sharing your experience, strength, and hope with us. I thought it was really interesting to get the perspective of someone dealing with alcoholism who isn't an alcoholic, but still living through someone's addiction and the fallout from it. Thank you so much. I know there were some tough topics in there, but I'm really inspired and encouraged by your strength. I'd like to thank our listeners for checking us out again. Remember, we're at recoveryedgecast.com. Also, you can find us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts, um, wherever you want to find your podcasts. I'd also like to give a big congratulations to my mom, who is coming home from the hospital after battling with COVID since Thanksgiving. Really excited about that, and I've got to give a big shout out to everybody in their uh, prayers, everybody who prayed for us, and uh, we got through it and I am grateful. Thank you guys again, and we'll see you next time.